Welcome to Sabrina Artel's Trailer Talk. I'll bring you all kinds of stories from all kinds of people. Whether it's a live public conversation and we're speaking from the kitchen table of my 1965 Beeline travel trailer, from the studios or on the streets, please sit back and enjoy the conversation right here this time every week. I'm Sabrina and this is Trailer Talk and I'm really excited to be having a conversation with Neil Greenberg about a piece that he is going to be sharing in the Sullivan County Catskills, Neil Greenberg, a professor of choreography, and he's the dance program director at the New School, the Eugene Lang College of Liberal Arts in New York City. He is going to be presenting the Disco Project Remix 2023 at the Catskill Art Space, CAS. And this is a piece from 1995 that was the original presentation of this dance piece. And we're going to talk about it. And that means going back to then and to this moment that we're in right now. And there's so many things I want to discuss with Neil about the influences that he works with as a choreographer, as a dancer. He's also in his pieces. Also, that involves looking at some of the texts for these dance pieces and also his influences. Welcome to Trailer Talk. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, Sabrina. I'm really thrilled to be here. Why don't we jump in with this project that you are going to be presenting in Livingston Manor, New York, on October 7th at the Catskill Art Space. And this is the Disco Project Remix 2023, originally 1995. So why are you remixing it? What are you working with? What are the dialogues that you're having? Well, let's see. That's that's a great question, the way that you have um, laid that out. Well, the first remix was... Uh, last summer in 2022, and that was for the New York City AIDS Memorial, which is in the West Village, and it's a little triangular park with a with a, a fountain in the center. It was while there were uh, light sculptures up that had the titles of uh, disco songs. This piece from 1995 was made right in the midst of the AIDS pandemic and the use of the disco songs, the way it resonates with the AIDS Memorial is also, I think, the way it, those that music resonates with the piece, you know, as an historical sort of object, disco songs function as a capsule of a time right. in many ways. When you're speaking about these disco songs as part of a language that you're working with and a language of dance and um, a kind of Although, although just to interrupt, <laughs> I real I really shy away from calling talking about the language of dance as if the as which which isn't doesn't necessarily point to this, but it's it can lead one to thinking that it's actually a language and functions the way language does, spoken language or written language. And for me, one of the reasons I'm attracted to, to dance and to choreography is because it doesn't function like a language. So but if like, you could explain that, how you feel that dance does not function like a language. So let's talk about that. What, what do you mean? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that it can. Movements can have very known meanings. I'm I'm waving my hand right now, and you can see that. And in our culture, and as far as I, you know, in many cultures, this, you know, we know that if I'm entering a room, this means hello. And if I'm leaving a room, it means goodbye. Or if I'm in, you know, on a street, it means I'm hailing a taxi. It has a language with multiple meanings, like lots of words and phrases do. So sometimes movement can do that. Choreography is a lot more than just the movement. It's it's the where, it's the when, it's the sequence, it's but I guess what I'm getting at is that it's perceptual. Mm. It's sort of we have we were learning about the world before we had language. Each individual person was learning about the world. In fact, there are some theorists, some movement theorists who talk about proprioception, which is um the sixth sense. And I mean that actually six senses should be taught to students in grade school, not five senses. This is not an extrasensory kind of thing. It's very much rooted in the body. It's actual nerves that can tell us how our, gives us information about our body's movement. Um, when it's about uh, muscle tension, about when you add the vestibular system to it, about our placement in space, about our even acceleration and deacceleration, like our bodies. This is a sense that we have had and learned about the world through the use of this sense all our lives, including before we had language. So for me, it's actually a base for how we process, how I process the world. And I love getting there, like to this sort of like very, to me, it's a very primary fundamental base of experience mm. of the world. So to share my experience with you or to, yeah, yeah, to share something about my experience, that's a place I go, mm. is, to, is to spatial relationships and, and, and fastness and slowness and, 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 and then also like the way the, the body is moving, um, yeah, like, like the proprioception of the bodies on stage can can lead an audience to like kind of feel a little bit inside of themselves or the complexities and simplicities, you know, painting with those kinds of colors. Here I'm using an analogy too. So language is a perfectly useful analogy. But well especially it is because I actually sorry? Well I was gonna say it's I use the word language in relationship to dance and you said that you don't like you don't think of it as a language and i appreciate that you're clarifying how you view movement and the body and as a choreographer what you're trying to do and actually place movement in its own category really is what i'm hearing you say and as you say as a sixth sense not an extra one, but actually that it is. So that clarification is really helpful because with your choreography, with the pieces of yours that I've seen, and we're talking about the Disco Project Remix 2023, which is going to be shared in Sullivan County, New York at the Catskill Art Space, but which, as you mentioned in 2022, it was presented at the New York City AIDS Memorial. So there's and it was first presented in 1995. So even that 
I guess what that leads me to ask you, is this something that is emerging as you present it at different times, or are you interested in a kind of archive or a kind of static presentation of something? Both. <laughs> um, it's, it's, to me, it's not static, but we are, so it's a remix. The original piece was 40 minutes. It was, it was, it was done in 1995. There's, there is actual text, actual written language in the piece, which, which is in the form of projections. And it was about the original cast of dancers. It referenced the original cast of dancers' lives, including my, including mine. Uh, so it was very tied to a moment there. Right. And I'm looking at some of this text now that you shared with me from the Disco Project. And it begins in our last dance. Joe went to Australia and came back. Justine turned 23. Ellen's mother died. My brother and eight other friends died of AIDS. Christopher wanted his dancing to speak for itself. So can you then talk about that text and how it relates and how it connects to this remix? So originally, it was it was very immediate and heart on sleeve. And part of my project was to provide, part of my project was to provide a door into watching the dancing. Because I was thinking, when I see a rehearsal, I often know the dancers and I often know what's going on in their lives. And maybe that helps me absorb the richness of what's going on on stage. I have these other entries, so I was trying to provide some of that to the audience. And at the same time, at the exact, at the moment in my working process over, you know, a number of years that I was adding that, trying that out, this was when my brother John died of AIDS. Um, and all of these other friends died in the same year while we were making Not About AIDS Dance. We set out to make the disco project, and I thought, oh, I'm not going to use text in this dance. You know, I don't have to. And then my, he was my ex-lover at the time, but we had been together for a while. Frank Maya died while we were making the disco project. And it just became clear to me, oh, God, I have to use text. You know, it's a part of the same project. Right. So, and how too. does text work with your choreography, work with the movements? How do you see that? I see it as no, certainly we're not acting out the text. There's not a direct relationship usually between what's happening on stage and what the text reads, except that they're both a part of the same project. Mm -hmm. So it's up to the viewer to kind of uh, make sense of it perceptually. Since you see dance and movement as something other than language, when you incorporate text, which is the written word, are you envisioning a kind of narrative that unfolds? Or are you interested in something that can emerge from that combination that is something else? I think it has to be something that mm -hmm. emerges mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. the combination and it's something else and it's going to be different for every yeah. viewer. Since the Disco Project remix is yeah. is a re-envisioning, a recreation of the original 1995 
piece and you began talking about the context from which it emerged. You talked about AIDS, your own lover, partner dying at that time, your brother dying, uh, you know, taking us back to 1995. And here we are, 2023. What is it that is happening for you as a choreographer with this piece as you're looking at it in this moment? While you were asking the question, I was thinking about, there's a phrase that's used in dance studies, circles the body as an archive. There is something about bringing our archives with us. Like we are the, com the combination of all of our experiences. And that was, you know, that period of time was just like such a huge experience for me, for, for anyone who lived through that time, certainly anyone in the arts who lived through that time and people, you know, this unexplained at the time illness AIDS coming in and having to deal with that. And then, I, you know, I should add, I'm HIV positive. So it also lives, my body is an archive for real. <laughs> you know, like my body, our bodies are archives. So there's something to me really interesting about going back to the the original movement. And, and I can talk about that, It's but I won't get sidetracked right now. Um, going back to the original movement, with my 64-year-old body instead of my 35 or 36-year-old body, and with these dancers, one of whom wasn't even born yet, and the others were young, varying degrees of quite youngness. Yes. You know, like, like, so there's just something about, and they're trying to enter into this world. They are, they are, they're, they're not trying to, they are entering into this world from where they are in 2023. So I guess like to me there's something yeah like interesting there since dance and choreography are so much about time. You know, ah, time, time you know, in what way? Well, well, I mean, it's rhythm. Mm -hmm. which, and to me rhythm itself is a narrative. Rhythm itself is it has the qualities of of narrative. I think it might have been my first narrative experience was rhythm, in a mm. sense, patterns, and the way things develop over time. Mm -hmm. uh, so rhythm, uh, time in the sense of durations, time in the sense of time passing, the on, and also the ephemeral nature of performance and dance, especially dance, you know, performance that doesn't include words, like when there are words, I can send it to you as I did for the text for the disco project, and that can live on, and it's easy for that to live on. But mm -hmm. the actual bodies in space doesn't live on in that kind of a way. So there's a different sense of time. It's like this immediacy of time, but then we add that to the time passing. Yes. I 1995 mean... to 2023 is, is in the piece. Exactly. And I'm captivated by what you're sharing about time. And as you're describing it as a choreographer and a dancer, I'm speaking with Neil Greenberg, who is a professor of choreography and the dance program director at the New School, the Eugene Lang College of Liberal Arts. And we've been talking about his 
project, the Disco Project Remix 2023 was originally created in 1995. But Neil, what you're saying about time is so fascinating to me and how you're ascribing it, attaching it to the body. And also, as you said, in dance theory, there's this idea of the body as an archive. And so talking about that and the ephemeral nature of the work that you do. And that's something that I think about quite a bit. Like, what are the traces? What remains? What do we absorb as participants in performances? And what is the value of that? Because more and more we're living in a world that's so mediated by technologies on different platforms. And so these spaces where we can be embodied together, it's something I think about a lot. You're really, of course, immersed in that world as a choreographer and a dancer. And I'm just wondering then how that's being shaped for you in this moment and what it is you're looking to do when you invite an audience into a space. That's a beautiful question. The best answer I have, I actually am stealing it from a theater director, Richard Maxwell, when I kind of asked him a version of the question you just asked me. <laughs> um, but the answer that I'll say in my voice today is, I guess I'm just looking to share something and then see what comes of it. Just, yeah. to, just to share something. And, and I guess this is like a crafted something, which to me, like, it seems like there are many layers to it. So people might enter in lots of different ways, but I'll also mention that, that the original piece was 40 minutes. What we're doing at Catskill Art Space is 20 minutes. So that's a part of the remix is, was like distilling the piece without losing it, but reshaping some of the original materials a bit sequentially, a, certainly a lot spatially, because the original piece was done with viewers on one side, and we are going to have viewers on all four sides of uh, the River Gallery at Catskill Art Space. Well, which you did for the piece of yours I saw at La Mama that was four-sided as yes. far as the audience. Yeah, and I've been, and the piece I did before that was called To the Things Themselves, exclamation point, and uh, at the Chocolate Factory in New York, and that was foresighted. And I actually, my very first productions at Dance Space Project at St. Mark's Church, the first ones that where I was produced by an organization were in 1985 and 86, and those were foresighted or two-sided or, you know, opposite sides of, you know, so playing with seating. But then in between, I got into all of these proscenium spaces. So the piece I saw at La Mama, can you uh, share with the audience a little bit about what that was? Because I want to jump into that in relationship mm -hmm. to some of the work you're doing now. Well, that piece was called Betsy. <laughs> and the Betsy is a MacGuffin, in a sense. The Betsy is, it's something to attach to the piece. But what does it mean? Like it's sort of, it's sort of not where the meaning lies. The disco project is also a title like that. It's just a noun. You know, it's like, this is a dance, the disco project. 
a little bit, but it doesn't really tell you where the meat gives you a clue. Well, it gives a clue, but so let's bring it back to the disco project for a minute, because to me, what that makes me think about, and and certainly I think of of your work is um, exploring queer culture. And so disco, I would say, is a big part of that queer culture oh, yeah. and some of the artists that that you are uh, working in with that. I'm thinking of RuPaul and Sylvester, right? And uh, right. some of the music that you're working with. And that takes us to a club scene and to a kind of performance that is queer, is associated. And that predates AIDS, but was overlaps with AIDS, that, that culture, but it predates it as well. <laughs> so right. to get into that that moment out, you know, those moment, it's not a moment, but between 1969, which is when Stonewall uprising happened, and many people talk about that as a really important watermark in queer history. And then uh 1982, when uh is that the is that the year? Yeah. When oh actually it's 1981 when the CDC's first report about five homosexuals in LA with PCP, which is a, a respiratory illness. So, I mean, let's do the math. What is that? That is only the 70s, basically, plus two years. It's 12 years that we got to live in the disco mm. euphoria of liberation. You know, that's right. too black and white, but that that was starting to... yeah be there and that's that's part of why I came to New York without even knowing that's why I came to New York from Minnesota you know to be in with my people to be with your people to be with our people to have that feeling of liberation of freedom and to be a bit in in a in a ghetto or enclave where there weren't so many of the people who wanted to hurt me which I you know that's also a part of that time and this time, as we know. Where does your interest, your dedication to choreography and being a dancer and also a professor of dance connect to what you're just sharing about these ideas of liberation, of, of having a safe space, of being within the queer community? That's really interesting. <laughs> I mean... Uh... I mean, one one entry into that for me is that even though gayness in the dance world when I entered the dance world was out, you know, everybody knew, everybody knew that these people, that all these people, Alvin Ailey, you know, Merce Cunningham, Jose Limon, everybody knew they were they were gay or 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 bisexual, you know, in the but mostly gay, everybody knew, but it was an open secret. And it certainly did not enter their choreography. They were afraid for it to enter their choreography. And Cunningham, you know, oh, so I danced in the Merce Cunningham Dance Company from 1979 to 1986. And, uh, and I was really attracted to his work. A lot of the same reasons that the audience can take away with them what they're interested in and that it wasn't... Um, an orthodoxy or uh, an authoritarian message. Like, this is the message, the one message. 
Neil, thank you so much for sharing that. I want to continue talking about Merce Cunningham and some of these histories of yourself as a choreographer and a dancer. I want to bring us back now to the Disco Project Remix 2023 that you're going to be sharing with community members at the Catskill Art Space coming up on October 7th. So I'm just wondering if there's anything you want to share with us and to conclude this part of our conversation. Yeah, I want to talk about the dancers and I want to talk about the current dancers and working with them. Um, uh, they're just they're just terrific. When we work, all of the movement in the disco project came from vid videotaped improvisations. Me, Neil, improvising, taping it, and then choosing little sections. So we get to go of that for the choreography. So we get to go back to those original videotapes to learn the movement. So we're not learning the movement off of the dancers who first performed it. We're learning the movement at the original source. So there's this play, it's always a meeting place between who the dancer is and what the task is. And the task is to try to recreate verbatim what Neil is doing in 1994 and 95 in these tapes. So these new dancers meet it differently than, you know, any, any two dancers meet it differently. So it's just, it looks like the disco project. It looks exactly like the disco project to me. And it's, and it's so different. I like, it has this life, this new life. Of course, it's, it has life because it's being performed live, but it's just, it's really fascinating to me. That to, is this, this coming together this way. And I think there's going to be real energy in the space on October 7th because it's, it's, we've been working really hard and that's the performance. We might do a studio showing in New York in October because, but this is the performance, the one performance of the Disco Project Remix 2023. You know, I'm very excited about that. Thank you so much. And I'm reading some of your texts now from the Disco Project. And you wrote, this is the song that was big the summer my brother died. This is the song I danced to when I broke up with a married man years ago before AIDS. I'm still asymptomatic. Before Joe left, I asked her if she would be my friend forever. She said yes. We set out to have some fun with this dance. And then it continues. Yeah, we set out to have some fun and there's real fun. I mean, it is fun dancing to Sylvester. <laughs> it is fun. And this is the very first piece I ever made where we danced to music. Oh. The very first piece, kind of out of a personal need. Yeah. So, well, Neil, thank you so much. We'll continue, of course, this conversation, which I'm really looking forward to. Thank you, Neil. Oh, thank you, Sabrina. Your questions have been just great. I love it. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Neil. I've been speaking with Neil Greenberg, who is professor of choreography and the dance program director at the New School, the Eugene Lang College of Liberal Arts in New York City. And his piece, The Disco Project Remix 2023, was originally performed in 1995, is going to be presented at the Catskill Art Space, CAS in Livingston Manor, New York, on October 7th. At 4 p.m., he will be presenting the Disco Project Remix 2023, and there'll be a talk back with Neil after that. 
And to find out more about Neil, please go to neilgreenberg.org and catskillartspace.org. From the kitchen table, out on the road, I'm Sabrina Artell. Thanks for joining me for Sabrina Artell's Trailer Talk. The music for the show, Patti Smith, People Have the Power. Trailer Talk is produced by Sabrina Artell. For more information, please visit trailertalk.net. Special thanks to WJFF Radio Catskill and the numerous people who have donated their time, resources, and conversations to make Trailer Talk possible. Thank you all who joined me in these conversations. I'm Sabrina Artell. Safe travels.